So I'm in the elevator of my doctor's office, and this guy and I start talking. Odds are it's going to be a short conversation. It's a two-story building. But somehow it comes up that he's an amateur botanist, and by the time we're up to the first row of cars in the parking lot, he mentions that he's really into witches' brooms. He collects witches' brooms. Witches' brooms, it turns out, are growths on trees. You've seen them. They look like tumbleweeds or giant birds' nests, and they grow in the crotches between limbs. Essentially, they're biological misfires. Wikipedia describes them as a disease or deformity. But this guy, Frank, he loves them. And clearly, he also loves to talk. So I whip out my phone to record our conversation. So you have a, an attachment, like it's in a greenhouse. So when it, there's a storm, do you worry about it? Do you worry about the greenhouse? They're my babies. <laughs> they are my babies. Besides, see, there's a hierarchy in my life. It's me my plants, my animals, and then anybody else. What about your wife? You mentioned a wife. My wife is capable to take care of herself if she has to. My plants can't, and my animals are quasi. So there's that, and my wife understands that. And her, that's sort of her priorities, too. Let's take a moment for that to sink in. This guy collects diseased pieces of trees. And in an emergency, they take priority over his wife. I'm Debbie Gallant, and you're listening to Stuff.Life, a podcast about our things. What we collect, what we hold dear, what we'd save first if a fire or storm threatened to take all our things away— And it's about the equal and opposite impulse, to turn our houses on their sides and let it all tumble into a dumpster. That's where I'm at. Like a lot of baby boomers, I've been thinking about downsizing. The kids are grown. The house is big. There are cheaper places in the country to live. It could be the beginning of an adventure. So first step, clean up the house to get it ready to sell. But think about it. We have 27 years of history in this house, 27 years of birthday presents and Hanukkah presents, Halloween costumes, power cords that might just go to something important, and more lipsticks than I care to admit to. And sure, a lot of this is cheap, mass-produced shit that we can easily part with, but that's the low-hanging fruit. Some of it is as personal as our own DNA, like the lock of hair I saved the day I had my head shaved for chemo. All of it clamoring for the right not to go to a landfill. Well, not exactly clamoring. More like just sitting oh, there. This was a favorite hat of mine at one point. Why did this end up here? It's um, not with the other I, hats. If I had to guess, I would say that's a Halloween decoration. This can go. It's ugly. <laughs> that's what Halloween decorations are supposed to be. Yeah. Ugly. So we put our winter hats up here, and somehow, oh, this one can go. This is, this looks like a uterus that has stretched out. This is what I think of every time I see it. And yeah, that could go. Oh, you don't want to be thinking about that. <laughs> That's me and my husband, Warren, in the room where stuff goes to wait for its final resting place. Okay. I, look, it's been sitting in the attic for how long? Yeah, and this does not look like a treasure chest. This looks like no. a garbage dump. But even before we walked into the attic, I spotted this. Wedding hat. That's your... That's my wedding oh, hat. There's other wedding stuff in there, is there not? That's a wedding slip. 
and a wedding. Um, uh, what do you call those? I have no idea. That was a garter. Garter. Let's stop. The wedding. A steamy Labor Day weekend outside Washington, D.C. It's 1985. Ronald Reagan is president. And Back to the Future, the first Back to the Future, is the summer blockbuster. And that day, as the guests are streaming into the synagogue, I'm not positively sure that Warren won't turn around at the altar and run. After all, I practically arm-wrestled him to propose to me. I believe my exact words were, if you didn't break up with me when I was crazy, you never will. And the crazy? That was a clinical depression brought on by steroids, actually getting weaned off of steroids. Because just a few months after moving to New York and meeting my husband-to-be, I was hospitalized with Crohn's disease and put on high doses of steroids. One of the possible side effects, and these were the exact words, complete personality change. And that's what happened. I'd arrived in New York bright and adventurous and full of life, and a year later I was a chain-smoking bundle of nerves. Warren was on the verge of breaking up with me more than once. And yet, he married me. So that's part of what comes up when I look at my wedding hat. The other part, that's about my mother. There's a famous scene, a story I told over and over the year we were married, where my mom and I are driving on the Beltway. This is a few months before the wedding, and we've been running around all day getting things done, and we're arguing. And at one point I say, hey, this is my wedding. And my mom shouts back, no, it's not. It's my wedding. Which, 31 years later, I'm finally prepared to concede. She was the one throwing the big important party, which would reveal to one and all the quality she'd been honing all her 54 years, her taste. My mom, she was something in those days. She had a will of steel and simply phenomenal energy. Now... At 85, she's a pussycat. I'd give anything to go back and witness her at the height of her powers, even if it meant cowering in the passenger seat. So while everything else has vanished, the food, the music, the assembled crowd, these two things, the dress and the hat, remain. Artifacts, proof of my mother's excellent taste. The dress, which we both loved, was elegant and understated, a sheath of lace, cap sleeves, ankle length, over a simple slip, no train. The color? Ecru, of course, and no veil either. We picked out a pillbox hat with just the tiniest piece of mesh. Oh my god, well this hat looks ridiculous with this haircut. Sure. Yes. So now I play the game that little girls have played for centuries, right? Going up to the attic to secretly try on something from their mother's trousseau. Only I'm the daughter and the mother. I'm reading my own trousseau. I mean, this is absolutely absurd. And Margo would never... You were not wearing the giant glasses. This is what I have left of my wedding regalia. That's what know for sure. Fits in a shoebox. Okay. Did you save it? Uh, That was entirely up to you. Wait a second, wait a second. It's, it's, it, I know I, I'm not asking your permission. I'm asking your opinion. 
I don't have an opinion. I have an opinion. My opinion is if you think it's worth saving, then it's worth saving. Um, I, you know, have my memory of that day. Warren's chief memory of that day, by the way, a lot of waiting around. We didn't get married until 5 p.m. As for the wedding itself, he says, it was swell. We danced the hora twice, and there were special effects in the form of light-up sunglasses provided by cousin Michael Bell. And by the way, if this next part sounds different from the sound in the attic, it's because I'm interviewing him long distance in Rio, where he's covering the Olympics. And as for the critical question... Did you ever think of backing out at the last minute? No. <laughs> no. Did you know no. that I was I mean, a little did you know that I was a little worried that you might? I was perfectly obvious at the time. I wasn't aware of it until after. And this this huge um, aspect of relief came over you. <laughs> so it hadn't even occurred to me that you were concerned about it. There was I you know, for whatever, uh, whatever doubts I may have had, and everybody has doubts in their whole life. I didn't have any doubt that day about walking away. No, there was not a chance. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, that's <laughs> so sweet that you really wanted to marry me. One more story from that day. My mom had prepared little satchels of rice for the guests to throw at us as we left for good luck. And we'd bought a going away outfit that I would wear for this pummeling, a blue suit. Again, all in the best taste. But I never got to wear it, at least on our wedding night, because late in the evening, Warren and I looked around and everybody was gone, even my parents. And so, without fanfare, without rice, without special clothes, we walked out, man and wife, into our new life. What about the wedding dress? You tell me. No, you tell me. I don't it's, care. It was our wedding day. So what did you say? Do you, I should just like, I don't know, just throw it in the trash? No, and... you should decide what to do with it. It's your wedding dress. You should decide what to do with it. Well, I will support you in whatever you do with it. I don't care. It's a, it doesn't take up, it takes up a tiny amount of space. Okay. So some of you maybe have jumped ahead in the syllabus. You're already up to Marie Kondo, that tiny organizing dynamo from Japan, the best-selling author who says, the simple secret to deciding what to keep and what to toss is to hold each object in your hand and ask, does it bring me joy? So the dress, I'll never fit into it again. And the hat, it looks ridiculous. This outfit has done its work. There will be no repeat performances. And so let's apply the Kondo test. Does it bring me joy? I don't know. Joy just seems like too small an emotion. What I feel is more complex. An overfilled heart, a long sustained cord, two parts tenderness, and one part anger at that great thief, time. But you know what? Like Warren says, it takes up a tiny amount of space. It stays. This is Stuff.Life, a podcast about our things. Each episode, we'll be looking at some aspect of their hold on us, like the paradox of why, even when we've pledged to declutter our homes, we can't stop ourselves from pulling over to a TJ Maxx. And of course, We'll be back to that reigning diva of tidying 
Marie Kondo. Thanks to Noah Levinson for the music and for helping me shape this idea, and to my long-suffering husband, Warren, for trudging up to the attic, taking time off from the Olympics to be interviewed about his wedding, and for not bolting at the altar. Special thanks to Frank Palefka, the guy with the witch's brooms, for starting that conversation in the elevator and showing me just how idiosyncratic and passionate a collector can be. And special thanks to Montclair State University for letting me use their radio studio and to Joe Amditas for helping me get set up. And to all my friends who've been sharing their stories from the decluttering battlefield. There's a dress that barely covers my ass, so we'll be getting rid of that. Wow, the fake fur kind of rabbit-esque jacket. That's leaving. And by the way, do you have a story about something you own or got rid of? A wedding dress story, perhaps? My email address is hello at stuff.life. That's stuff.life, not .com.